Cradleine Network. Spinner 2000, the podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy, the greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for October and November 1991, prog 752 to 755. This time, the ABC Warriors go on a quest, Sam Slade goes to Bisleyland, the Universal yeah. Soldier goes a-hunting, Barrel yeah. gets fixed up, and it's finally election day in Judge Dredd. Oh, man. Uh, it's pretty rad. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always a good time for the elections. <laughs> Timely. So, I mean, not when this... I mean, this episode's coming out in, like, March, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Less timely at this point, and less God something crazy God knows what's happening right now. Yeah, it could be anything. <laughs> and if you want to read along with us, you find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case, Files 16, ABC Warriors, The Mech Files 2, 2000 AD Extreme Edition 20, and The Judge Dredd Magazine 295. Dang. Yeah. Exciting stuff. And speaking of, um, I guess, going back previously, just talking about elections and stuff, Fox. Oh, yeah, baby. Let's talk about... Thrill one, Judge Dread. Let's get the drop on this, Dread. Yeah, buddy. Script robots, John Wagner and Garth Ennis. Art robots, Jeff Anderson and John Burns. Lettering robot, Tom Frame. We start off Man, Wagner and Anderson in the driver's seat here. I really, and I feel like I said this last time, just like, why would you ever be a part of a group of people who... Are like, let's go kill Judge Dredd. <laughs> it seems like even more than um us that then that then um a bunch of Gotham thugs who have a boss who says the first task is simple: we kill the Batman. <laughs> even like <laughs> steepled fingers and everything. Yeah, like you know when you say that that your plan is about to fail. You know it is. You can't. It doesn't you know. matter how many giant coins you make. You know. Right, and it's even more so with Judge Dredd because, like, Batman will just toss you in Arkham for a few weeks. <laughs> no, this man will Judge shoot Dredd you. will kill you. He'll, like, shoot you in the face. Does not care. I mean, he, he'll he'll tell you not to do it, and then you you continue to do it, and then you get shot. I mean, I think he, he cares a little, but he'll shoot you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's got a gun. Yeah, like, he's not, you know, again, like... His plan is not to punch you in the face and then again let you recover from your wounds in a no. safe facility. He'll no. shoot you. <laughs> so last time, Fox, we saw Dredd head down a mysterious elevator full of like, you know, it's a, it's a mannequin elevator, very sort of creepy, uh, creepy warehouse place. Ooh. Um, at, while getting reports that some judges were out to kill him ahead of this upcoming referendum on the justice system. The lift goes down, and the crooked judges waiting for him open fire, but they just hit one of those creaky, one of those aforementioned creepy mannequins. Oh, man. I mean, the creepy mannequins have it coming in general. I am definitely anti-creepy uh, mannequins. Yeah, absolutely. But, I saw that you know, one uh, 
that 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 first episode of the Doctor Who reboot. You can't trust these mannequins. They got guns in their hands. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. But also, like these guys, they have judge training, right? Yeah, they're judges. So you can't tell the difference between a man and a mannequin. They might be rattled because they are their their judging instincts are so hardwired. That oh, the idea of killing a fellow judge just has has all their senses working overtime, you know. Man, so clearly they're weak because uh, that's not really a problem for Judge Dredd. Well, because Judge Dredd, because they're killing Dredd illegally, but Dredd's killing them under the rule of law. <laughs> that's why <laughs> every, he's the. It's all, it's all above board here. Yeah, that's why their senses are working overtime, and Dredd is the mayor of Simpleton. XDC references. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Dredd leaps down the elevator and, like you said, gets the drop on the judges. One tries to trick Dredd by dropping his lawgiver and then, like, it shoots or something. That just sends Dredd into action. He kills two of oh, the man. judges and then arrests the survivor, Judge Crosby. Crosby doesn't didn't really want to kill Dredd, but they had to do something to stop the referendum. More judges arrive to clean up the scene and Dredd wants names, but Crosby just Jesus. gives up the ringleader, Judge Grice. I mean, he probably chose the right way to do this. God knows what kind of punishment is in store, but like... <laughs> I mean, tight, certainly. God, yeah, he got off light compared to Grice. Yeah, I mean, he's just a pawn, buddy. Um, oh, God. Dredd, um, Dredd knows that, um, or yeah, Dr- that, that 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 he was dispatched from from central, and someone else was uh, was was playing lookout. So he tells the other judges to to like arrest those to find and arrest those guys. Hell yeah! It's, it's bad times out here. The devil you know isn't always better. At Justice Central, a pair of judges come to apprehend Grice taking his gun, but they aren't arresting him, just detaining him until Dredd arrives. And yeah. we see Dredd on his bike on the way there. He does not look pleased. Yeah, it's just all teeth and anger. <laughs> Hell's coming with him, as I like to say. Ooh. Very to- that that's a tombstone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell him I'm coming. Hell's coming with me. That's a good thing to say also when you're on your way to a party or something. You know, I just got off. I just got off the bus. I'll be there soon, and hell's coming with me. The the devil rides the bus. Yeah. I mean, if God does, why not the devil, friend? Yeah. It's a good place to just kind of deify, I guess. Yeah. Or whatever whatever deities do. Yeah. Dread rolls into Justice Central past a bunch of protesters. He walks into Judge Grice's office and confronts him. Calls Grice corrupt, and Grice calls Dread dangerous, and that oh. sends Dread off. Oh he punches yeah, Grice, you're damn right, I'm dangerous. God, he proceeds to just beat the crap out of this guy. Yeah, Dread beats up Grice as, and when Grice try, uh, tries to fight back, but just gets roiled every time he does. And there's a pair <laughs> of judges just sort of looking outside, being like, "Hey, like, listen, I guess we should be intervening, but that." Probably is not actually a very good idea. So let's just sort of stand outside. <laughs> and just like your gritted teeth, it's kind of like a, ooh, I mean, we could, but. Uh, they could just be redecorating in there, moving some tables around. Who knows? Yeah, I, something tells me do not come between Dread and a judge on judge beating. No, at least until Grice comes flying through the window <laughs> in the door of his office. Which one of the people like that's just coming by, they're just like, nice. 
<laughs> exactly. Dredd says Grice has lost them the election because the one thing the judges have is that people can trust them. They stick to their principles no matter what, and that means a lot. And that whole thing comes crashing down when an idiot like Grice breaks the law. Mm. And then what? Better the devil you know? Like, come on. Like, that's, I mean, look. No, I don't think so. If it weren't for the, I mean, Judge Cal was a huge hit to that reputation. And if it wasn't for, you know, him definitely executing him. Uh, yeah. And they've spent the last, like, what was it? Like 20 years? No. Uh, um, like 15 years sort of recovering from that, basically, from yeah. Judge Cal. Like, I mean, and since then, they've saved the city from, you know, th- like that was like four apocalypses ago for the record. <laughs> so many apocalypse. Like if if anything now they're still recovering from Necropolis and all the judges got taken over by the by that's the, by bad judge, PR. judge judge death you know um and that's why they're having this election frankly to recover from that yeah um so Garth Ennis and John Burns take over on writing and art respectively as Dread and a female judge burst in on Judge Major who's taken his own life rather than be arrested uh Grice has turned in the other traitors including Judge De Gaulle the blonde lady judge who will recall being falsely accused of being the executioner back in 293 in Prague 293 oh and then yeah getting revenge on dread for doing that by giving him a body cavity search in Prague 518 mm. though it looks like she got uh she got shot on patrol or, or or she got sent to control after being injured in the line of duty yeah lost her love of the law like she's like I you know I spent all this time I got injured and this is all I get out of it and that's Man. a sentiment dread can't like understand or I mean like yeah no I, like he goes through this whole kind of inner monologue in a way like just or or at least you know sort of a third person narration yeah. um and it's just like you know the the whole point of doing it is uh for the law baby for for yeah, justice Dredd's very dread's very motivated by service um and by just this this concept of of the law and of the and of serving the the, the law and the city and stuff, yeah. and so he has a lot of trouble with. It seems like there are sections of judges who just see themselves as the kings of Omega City One. Mm, They're coming out from the wrong direction, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dread reflects the nature of Mega City One and the letter that led him to taking the long walk in the first place. If you recall, um, just yeah, that, that letter kid. to Dread. Yeah, about sort of the nature of the city and justice within and stuff. Um, he feels uncomfortable being a judge in charge of an unwilling populace. In the end, it seems he's pushing this referendum basically to ensure that he's ruling with the consent of the governed. Um, right. Which, I, you just, know, that's a, a noble place to be for a jackbooted, you know, murder guy. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> The thing I like about this, though, is that we are seeing, I think, something I really like, actually, at least in concept about Garth Ennis, is that he definitely seems like he's a Judge Dredd fan, I think, just Mm. because he does bring up a lot of classic stuff in the course of this, right? Yeah. In his recent stuff, we've seen a couple judges return that we hadn't seen in a while, like Judge Decker. Yeah, I Um, I recall you mentioning this. Yeah, and, and Judge DeGaulle here as well. Um, he reflects on his time um, of he sort of talks about seeing the seeing the city from the air after he returned from being the marshal on Luna One. Yeah, just like was, back in the in the fifties in terms of Prague, like before the cursed Earth and stuff. God, that was so long ago. 
that cool yeah. laser that only shot so far. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, that's one that uh, Johnny Alpha would steal. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thinking like eight hundred million people, every one of them a potential criminal, the most violent, evil city on the earth. But God, but God help me, I love it. Um, and I just like yeah. that, like sort of like Ennis being willing to like like n- knowing enough about the story to um, you know have these sort of classic dread moments in 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 the catalog that he can call on just to sort of you know bring the 15 years or so of dread that we've had just you know making use of that it's a resource that can be used if you want yeah. to you know i mean like that's the thing is <clears throat> it like this thing did serve very well as a kind of historical record of stuff that we've been through mm-hmm. i i just i love the end where it's just like but god love me i or god help me i love it just yeah. because it's you know it's it's a strange love that he has for the city but it's love nonetheless yeah, exactly. So it's 25 minutes to the referendum. Blondel Dupree, the leader of the Democrats, is confident um, about the victory of democracy. But we oh, see these mega citizens, Fox, and they're either real dumb, unfocused, or both. It's real, real bad. <laughs> yeah, these are not – these citizens, ooh, like this would happen when you get 350 million people, I guess. Um, I mean, like – so I'm guessing there's just not a lot of school – I mean, it's but like it's school that's teaching you how to like head eggs into a garbage can for a living, you know? Yeah. It's school. It's it's designed, yeah, to keep people under control and stuff like that, as opposed to like like you know, let's let's get let's learn a lot about civics or something. These these are people who you know knee pads are fashion statements. Well, you know, I mean, but yeah, I'd say that's true. And just like that, yeah, they just sort of – it's actually something that's come up very recently in um, in, a, in a modern Judge Dredd oh, really? story of just like are we doing our best by – or are we sort of getting the best outcomes by just warehousing citizens as opposed to trying to actually like marshal the fact that we've got a massive population that could be doing something. But anyway. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Um. Dread Hershey and Chief Magruder wait in Justice Central. Dread again makes his point they can't rule without a show of consent, and in a few seconds they'll know for sure. Oh man. So, <laughs> so I God, I was so excited for this next thing, and then it just turned. Here we go. It's noon and the city votes. The computer mainframe built back in 2067 tabulates them, takes about five minutes. The choice is clear. And in Democrat headquarters, Blondell seems to have second thoughts or like at least like cold feet right at the um, end here. Like, oh, what yeah. if we win? Well, she and, worried. And, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. You, you, you oh, no I just I like continue. I like the way that she's sort of reflecting on the fact that it's like, you know, she's not even thinking about whether or not people are stupid. Just that, like, you know, the judges have done a shitload for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, like, can we handle a fucking apocalypse? yeah it's definitely true and i mean you know you you do know these citizens out there she also wonders just if the non-dread judges would even let um let the democrats take power once they win yeah but Um, well that's that's seeding the conflict there yeah well i mean it's just it 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 is like honestly i had big like uh, 2016 flashbacks in these um oh yeah democrat things um, you know, whatever on the nose, but just the idea that they're so self-assured that they'll win 
Mm. That now there's like there's starting to be fights and arguments about how they'll you know what they'll do once they win and stuff. This was happening last episode as well, right? Um, and but her her partner John seems very self assured about all this. Mm. Glendale wonders if um, there even being a vote means that things have changed enough or something. She sure. remembers that Dread released her from prison. That was right before he went on the uh, on the long walk. And then how he fought to retake the city from Necropolis. She won. She kind of has a has a moment of like, what's in it for these judges, right? Like, why do they want to do this? It's not like yeah. they're they're rich. It's not like in say, uh, see a dad bed on Kia we saw where the judges are also like an aristocrat class that like enjoys like. A lot of creature right. comforts and wealth and stuff. They sleep for like 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Like know? they sleep for 15 minutes and then get shot. And like that's sort of it. Like they don't like – there's no luxury in the life of a judge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then the votes are in. Barney delivers the results. Hi, Barney. Essential hey, 2000 <laughs> Essential Space Spinner 2000 AD research partner Barney at 2080.org um, <laughs> delivers the results. Sixty and the results are Fox. Oh God! Uh, yeah, this <laughs> so good. Sixty-five percent of citizens didn't vote. No votes at all. <laughs> of the remaining votes, twenty-three percent of people picked both options. So forfeiting, <laughs> forfeiting their vote. They vote for bo- voted for both of them. Oh my God! Nine percent of people voted for democracy, and sixty-eight percent voted for the judges. The judges win. God, uh, <laughs> it really gives you low confidence in whether or not anybody understood what the fuck was going on. Chief Magruder riding around town holding a judges out like newspaper, like Harry Truman. It's good times. Oh my God. <laughs> At Democracy HQ, Blondell has, of course, turned on her, on her heel about all this stuff. Yeah. It's a fix by the evil judges. Oh, God. <laughs> Suddenly a call comes in. Put Dread on the line. We got trouble. Oh, yeah. So, and he had mentioned that he's like, yeah, listen, uh, we're not out of the woods. Like, he was, he was kind of mentioning that they're not out of the woods and that he's had – Riot Squad standing on on uh, yeah. standing by since dawn and all this other shit. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Next time, Ugh. once and for all. Oh boy! <laughs> all right. Well, so, what do you think curi- about the uh, the election result here, Fox? What do you I'm think? Curious, going? I think it's going. Curious to see where it goes. Like, I I was definitely curious as to whether because you know obviously Judge Dredd is still a continuing series. I was curious whether or not like. Uh, Democrats would win in some way and change how the the judges worked. Um, and instead, I feel like I got a very uh, uh, Mega City One response to that question, which is duh. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, more fool me. <laughs> I did like because I, like, I wonder. I wonder if they even rigged it because it sure as fuck doesn't seem like it. From they this. from what I can see, and from what I recall, they have not rigged it. Yeah. Like they just let it like it, and that's why the judges are so worried about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
Like, why is Grice trying to trying to assess? Like, if they know it's rigged, then why? If it's rigged, then why is Grice trying to kill Dread? Basically, see, this is where <clears throat> you publicize but, that Grice tries to kill Dread before the thing, but then it's damned if you do, damned yeah, if you don't. There could be wheels within wheels. I don't recall from what I've read there being a later retcon that it wasn't rigged, but I could sure. also definitely see there being a retcon that it was rigged. Um, yeah. Like, in a, oh, oh, a while from now, especially in response to, like, I don't know, like, if there was, like, some UK election that really broke a lot, like, I don't know, maybe for Brexit or something, mm-hmm. or some other kind of heartbreaking UK election, someone does a story where they're feeling bad, so they decide to make the, the, the this election rigged also, or whatever. Yeah. No, I feel yeah. It's good, though. I liked it. I mean, I liked the, the, the whole beating the shit out of Grice scene was just, like, brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't uh, don't forget Judge Grice. I'll just say, like you know, might be more. This guy might have a more long term place in Jin, in Dread Rogues Gallery. Just for the record, Grice ain't on ice. Mm. I mean, he's going to be on ice a little bit because that guy's going to Titan. But oh you know, yeah, he's going to get all those those nose plugs and tubes those and things nose like plugs. that. Absolutely. Yeah, I and remember. Of, yeah, and speaking of someone else who's been uh, cybernetically enhanced to survive Fox. Speaking of plugging your nose. Speaking of ripping off popular movies, Thrill 2, Robo Hunter. He's back, Sco- guys. That's Sam right. Slade. Something. Uh, script robot Mark Miller, art robot Anthony Anthony Williams, letter robot Glib. It's getting punched. Or threatened. Yeah, last time. Definitely. Last time we saw Sam Slade, he was being killed by government assassins, but it seems he's actually still alive and able to okay. make quips while being chained up on top of a hel- like on in the back of a helicopter. The it seems like the uh, the president, who was also Elvis, has <laughs> crash landed in Disneyland, an amusement park full of robots that went wild and started killing all the guests. Yeah, Goofy as a murderer is a very terrifying uh, like concept yeah, to me. It's, uh, it's an escape from New York situation combined with that one episode of The Simpsons where the itchy and scratchy land robots go insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's like that's old. That's like season what three? Um, I, it, it was after this. It, it was after this um, comic because mm-hmm. I. I, I, I noticed off the top of my head because that show was a reference to Jurassic Park, which is in like 92. Right. So a little bit after this comic as well. Okay. Sam says he's not going to do it, but the government goons both break out the brass knuckles and punch him a couple times and threaten his mom, who they have under in custody. And for so good measure, much just choice. throw him out of a fucking helicopter without a parachute, yeah, but don't kind of a parachute. In- yeah, they don't inject him with any time-released... Um, viruses, fake or otherwise. See, that, because, you know, we wouldn't want to steal too much here. <laughs> I guess they feel like they've got things covered with um, the mom hostage. Mm. Um, they kick Sam out of the chopper and he's off. There's some commentary about uh, landslide Republican elections, but 1992 has something to say about that. Whoa. Oh. Meanwhile, in the Magic Kingdom, President Elvis is being shown through the uh, the, the the castle. There, um, reaches a downward staircase that's full of fro- frost and ice. He slips down these icy stairs to the throat of Walt Bisley himself, <laughs> who's just ahead with a ton of human bodies strung from the ceiling. Yeah, that's feeding, creep. yeah, feeding blood into him through like tubes. Very forty k, very Warhammer forty k here. That's super creep. 
I wish they'd done uh, – I'm going to say this one last time and I don't, I don't want to get into it, but I wish they'd done more. Um, like I, I, I wish like this section had been like drawn in ex- or like they, they did one panel that was like painted Bisley style or something uh, like that. Yeah, exactly. That would, be, that would be a double joke, which I appreciate as opposed to just the single joke of, hey, Disney and Bisley sounds kind of similar. All right. <laughs> um, so at either end of a fancy dining table, Bisley and Elvis trade compliments, but it seems Bisley has ambition to become head of state. Because he's just ahead. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam Slade is uh, is uh, wandering the slaughterhouse of, a, of an amusement park, sl- snagging popcorn from the hands of dead bodies. When a Ugh. shot rings out, and fourteen or so heavily armed mascots are after are after him, but he's blowing them away as they go until some of the larger ones show up, and suddenly Sam is hiding behind the giant shoe of a massive mascot. Yeah, that, that, God, like, that's just a hazard. Why'd you even build that? I guess to kill people. Yeah, and to, you know, it's, I, I, I think it would be pretty sweet to kind of, like, in a, in a parade or something for a giant uh, Mickey Mouse to walk, walk around. Yeah, sure. That makes back sense. Under, yeah, back underground, Bisley explains that he plans to run for president as an independent. And listen, buddy, the election's a month away, all right? You don't have time to gather signatures to get on the ballots. Ballots are already what? printed by now, <laughs> dummy. Come on. <laughs> But he's gonna he's gonna run for president, and he's gonna do it with a fancy new robot body. So we've now also brought in uh, that one Futurama episode where, oh, where Nixon gets a gets a cyborg body. Yeah, no or doubt. Gets a robot body. I was uh, uh, pretty pretty woed by this. <laughs> Elvis is skeptical of his challenge of of, uh, of Bisley's chances until a martial arts duck of some kind sneaks up from behind him and cuts his head off. And there's you- the woe situation. They just murder Elvis. <laughs> President Elvis. But yeah. hey, listen Fox, you might say when it comes to the election, Bisley has a head start. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't nothing but a hound dog. Sam's on the run from all these mascots. He tries to drop a smoke grenade to lose them, but they see right through it. Seemingly out of luck, he dubs, he ducks into the tunnel of love and seems to have escaped. Although it is, and while it is full of floating corpses, it's also oh. kind of romantic with just like making out with his flashlight right there in front of God and everybody. <laughs> We all know it, Fox. All right. Uh, I mean, it answers a question that I have about her construct. It is, and I'm tired of saying it isn't. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just the shape of it, right? Because it's dual purpose. Yeah. No. Listen, we know. We know what he's doing. (laughs) He's having sex with that robot. Mm. In the tunnel, a tide of cute murderous puppies come rolling in straight that's, that's into the weird explosive choice. Sam's throat shows at them. What, the puppies? Yeah. I mean, you got these 101 Dalmatian bots, so you might as well oh, like, yeah, put I them guess. in motion. I guess that was a, it was in a movie. In the confined territory of the, of the Tunnel of Love. Well, yeah, but it's just like, it's just such a weird... All right. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking about this too much. Yep. Sam uh, blows him up. <laughs> And then momentarily, Safey and Cutie continue down the tunnel, lightly flirting. When I a mean, little he's mermaid- flirting with himself. He's just talking about. She says something, and he's like, "Yes, I am great. I am so great." And also say this other thing about me. That's their relationship, you know. Oh, God. A little mermaid jumps up, pulls Sam under the water. He's drowning, lost his gun. He's gonna black out. 
when suddenly a figure on the shore takes aim and blows Ariel's head off, or whatever the name of this alternate it's reality the, version is. That's how the original uh, movie actually ended, and they changed it. And yeah, post. yeah, yeah. No, the hand, the Hans Christian Andersen Society was really pissed when she didn't get her head blown off at the end. Um, it's a little kid with a giant rifle. They yeah. exit the. They exit the sewers. Her name is Dot, by the way, and she's too young to be a rebellion survivor, Sam notes. When Captain Hook attacks them, he <sighs> slashes Sam and throws him away, preparing to murder Dot. When out of nowhere, Birdie the love bug um, yeah. comes crashing through and smashes the captain, leaving only Wizard of Oz-style red boots behind. Okay. I mean, I remember that. That uh, I remember Herbie. Yeah. There was a 60s one. There was one that one with the Lindsay Lohan. Good times. Didn't I don't I didn't even know that that was a thing. Herbie reloaded. So Sam oh. wakes up bandaged in a tunnel that's clearly Dot's hideout. In narration, we got the lowdown. Dot's been lying low in these air ducts since she was five years old. She was born in the park. Her parents survivors of the robot apocalypse. She doesn't know what Dot stands for because there's no one to tell her. She's got a picture she drew of her family, which includes both sort of her biological dad and then her dad that that was like um, took care of her while she was growing up after her but, but her her biological dad was killed by robots. Jesus, um, I mean, she dreams. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I like the idea of it's like my two dads. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like kids can understand that stuff. You so know, it's sometimes, a especially. View. Especially if, like, you know, your mom is a widow and then she kind of remarries or something. That's mm. and um, <clears throat> she she just dreams of a of having a big, nice, safe house for her and all her family. And I feel like this is actually like a, a well played little bit of sadness here by by Mark Miller. This is a nice um, this this was well done. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there was no they mostly come at night lines. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's certainly aliens, but it's like not directly ripping off aliens which, yeah. which i like um especially when we see her start to gear up and like put on and like sort of grab all these guns from the gun closet and stuff like this <laughs> this is a badass newt not a, a n- not a weak victim newt absolutely i mean yeah she did shoot the head off of ariel oh and yeah. then we get a little bit of predator also uh, yeah definitely seeing these um heat lines mm-hmm. all that stuff um, anyway, suddenly the wall bursts open. It's Mort Bisley with a giant robot body and Elvis's oh. head on his belt. Yeah, you know, you want to, it's, uh, it's like those, uh, little charms you put on your phone. It's flair. Absolutely. Next time, rising damp. How do you, how do you think they, uh, cause it's, his head's tied in with a rope. Do you think it's through the skull or like around the bottom with like a little mesh net? It's a good question. I, I mean, maybe they just freaking like just just put a a big hole through like from from ear hole to ear hole like a bead oh, or something. That's oh my god! I mean, you know the the soulless and uncaring mind of a human turned robot. I'd believe it. But I mean, they they could. I mean, it's an amusement park, so they're great at making merchandise and stuff. You'd be a oh fool man, not to have on site merch factories. So they probably just ran it through the necklaceizer. Oh, and so <laughs> the necklaceizer, and you know he's got to be wearing it. It's like those people who uh, who um, you know, 
like the shop shop running people over at Disney, you got to have like the the buttons, the flare on the thing so that people can come up and do a pin trade with you. Well, pl- yeah, and like if you, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna take over the country, you got to have the head of the previous, you know, if you're taking it by force, you got to have the head of the previous ruler, you know, with you. Mhm. Mhm. That's, That's true. Kind of how it establishes dominance immediately. I mean, the robot body wasn't going to do it, so you might as well show that you took the head of the president. I mean, the robot body gets you in the door, but then <laughs> yeah, it's like a resume, and then you know, like the 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 power move in the in the uh, uh, yeah, the head's like like your references or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm having a lot more fun with this than I was. With reading it, it's fine. Yeah, that's why we. That's why we do it. You know. That's fair. Yeah, it was fine. What did you think of this one? Like I, I, I really got a puss on my face for just how much um, Miller is just lifting from every movie he can find. You know. Yeah. I mean, I made some jokes about sort of this then being inspired, like having other things that are similar to it, like the Simpsons episode and stuff. But this is just so obviously Escape from New York, and then it transitions to um, to Aliens, like so much, Fox. Yeah. And like, then just sort of joke, I mean, you know, and then like, it's clearly building off jokes of like, you know, robot animatronics and Disney and, and Walt Disney's head, head being, you know, there's, there's an urban Oh, they legend have the frozen, that, the frozen yeah, body's fact, head. Walt Disney's frozen head is in the basement of the Magic Kingdom and stuff. So yeah. it's very much a sort of like, like it. Sometimes I'll talk about a movie as as math, you know, where it's like, all right, like, yeah. like, like, you know, uh, uh, often with Die Hard, like where you know Die Hard plus Train equals um, <laughs> Under Siege Two, for instance. <laughs> yeah. And this one, I just like like the math seems really obvious of like. Escape from New York plus Aliens plus, you know, Disney, Some plus someone joke. just had, yeah, someone I know just like went to Disneyland and has a five minute set about it, you know? Yeah. And again, nothing, nothing really to do with Simon Bisley. Yeah. Yeah. And then sort of the Bisneyland pun, uh, pun again, I feel like is underdone because I really, I just, I really feel like. You could, especially because Bisley's so popular now, mm-hmm. you could really take the piss out of some of his art style and stuff like that and just kind of have some fun with it if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. You know? But, any, you know, I don't like, I, honestly, I can think of a couple of jokes that I really want to get into. But anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of um, changing art styles, Fox. Ooh, let's, re- let's unleash the beast. Speaking about things that are based on other real on other things, Fox. Let's talk about Thrill Three Strontium Dogs. <laughs> Is this based on something, Conrad? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Okay. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Steve Pugh, letting robot Alita Fell. So, young adult Strontium Dog is at the mercy of a bunch of army jerks when suddenly laser fire comes out of nowhere, killing them. It's the Mutant Liberation Front. The soldiers try to regroup, but get blown away by a grenade. In the aftermath, a blonde woman comes and gathers up Farrell as one of the soldiers reports back to commanders. The colonel in charge of all this identifies Farrell as Farrell Jackson. I've got got a last name. While the woman that helped him seems more mysterious. Anyway, take them both out. Yeah, okay. The woman I like his bet- giant, yeah. crazy-ass eyeball. He's got kind of like one, like metal, a metal plate, 
like on yeah. one side of his face. It's sort of a, a Cobra Commander face plate, but just over like a quarter of his face. Mm-hmm. It's a good look. <laughs> Definitely. The woman named Bet carries Pharaoh to Clifford's bar where she does some surgery on the lad, like just on a table there. <laughs> just able to fucking surgery it up right in someone's bar, I guess. Yeah. I where love she, this. I love yeah. this Clifford gentleman with his teeth. <laughs> He's got like four, four good <sighs> teeth. It's beautiful. She's pulling bullets out of him as Cliff rants that him helping a strontium dog will bring the paras down on him. And here's Fox, where I kind of have a long thing where I'll just mention that that a paras is the nickname of the of the British Army's a parachute regiment, yeah, which was a big part, yeah, of the uh, of the military forces that fought against the IRA during the Troubles in uh, in Northern Ireland. Oh. Um, they took part in Bloody Sunday and a couple other actions, basically. Um, oh, Jesus. I'm not a great scholar of, uh, of, of uh, Irish history, but it pre- seems pretty clear to me that between that and the fact that the mutant group here is called the MLF, which is another sort of um, like abbreviation type mm. name, we're seeing this is kind of a not even really subtext kind of moment in terms of Got it. mutants and – British military forces sort of mapping on to like Ireland and I, you know, the, the MLF being the IRA, et cetera, basically. Oof. Oof. Um, the bullets bet pulls out of feral have had some, a- are, um, have had some amateur hollow point attempts made to them. They okay. actually talk a lot about this in the course of the comic. Must I like literally, I think it's something that like maybe Garth Ennis read in a magazine recently or something. Yeah, he, keeps, I, he mentions this idea of like scoring the tips of bullets to make them yeah. into uh, dum-dums or hollow points a couple yep. times in the course of this make month. Make a big old pop. Mm-hmm. Um, Feral strontium dog badge says Johnny Alpha, so it's probably been nicked. After all, Johnny Alpha is dead, and maybe Feral is too, without a miracle. Mm, he's fine. Yeah. At Clifford's bar, Bet meets with a bunch of mutants, including one called Slider, who seems like his face oh. like looks like it's actually kind of slid down the side of his head, which is kind it's of a cool look. It's real gross, but also real awesome. I love that he still has the shape of a human head looking up. Yeah, just sort of an empty, like, human skull, basically. Mm. He wants I also, to talk- I, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to one of the back- background pa- patrons in the bar, where it's it's a woman whose, like, arm has been cut off, and she's only got one eye. But, mm-hmm. like, attached to the stump underneath it, almost like a, like a baton, is a claw that then is holding a bottle, and then she's pouring... <laughs> Pouring nice. it into a glass. It's a it's a good look. I like that. I like that person back there. Yeah, got that waitress ba- waitress based uh, cybernetics. It's solid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she so Slider wants to talk to Farrell, but Bet says he's still recovering. Threats are bandied back and forth, but nothing's really decided here. Um, in the bar's basement, Farrell's coming around. He's got some pretty crazy spines and rib cages yeah. and stuff coming out of his chest. Um, the the two of them exchange names, and we learn that she's Bet Conrad. Woo! Oh yeah. <laughs> she explains that she saved him because they're on the same on the same side. They both want to fight the British, and that leads Farrell into a flashback. Basically, we learn in the aftermath of the final solution story, Farrell fell in with a team of Milton Keynes veterans and exiled Strontium dogs. They ran across the galaxy. But eventually, their time ran out as the uh, brutal military reprisals from those actions sort of caught up with them. Napalm the shit out of them. Yeah, they ran afoul of a jungle booby trap um, with uh, with or of, of a jungle booby trap with napalm uh, snares. Mm. Farrell was the only survivor. 
God. He then kind of ex- explains his mutation a, a bit in a way that we hadn't heard before, I guess. Yeah. It's not just like claws and teeth, but he's also got, you know, kind of a, a Wolverine rage thing going on. But yeah. when he goes into that rage, his body changes physically. We've seen this um, in the Simon Harrison stuff in Final Solution. So he has a warp spasm. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly, exactly. That says all the strand, all the strontium dogs have been wiped out, but Farrell alludes to two still alive that are clearly Middenface, McNulty, and Durham Red. Yeah, Durham Red. Yeah, Bet leaves Farrell as he goes to re- um. Leaves him be as Farrell remembers to himself that during this process he got a blood test and it seems that when he uses his rage ability, it's making his body like evolve and change basically. Gross. Someday, you know, he turns into a beast when he rages and someday he'll stay that beast and then start changing into something else beyond that. Whoa. Yeah, it's some very like H.R. Giger shit. Definitely. Speaking of which, in the black, um, in blackness, Farrell feels liquid around his feet. He can't see a strange hallway with the floor covered in blood and entrails as he moves through it. A Ugh. voice calls his name, leading him through this corridor of murder to a waterfall of blood dripping from untold victims. We see a Johnny Alpha and Bidden Face McNulty among them. He sees a strange figure feeding, gorging itself on the body of Bet. The creature turns, and it's a terrifying, monstrous feral with, like, a big predator mouth. Yeah, and, and he's like, got, like, like tube, translucent tube stomach. Ugh. Yeah, he's got, he's got a stomach that's kind of like the baby from Death Stranding, I guess. Um, oh, is that a thing? It's like, it's, like, clear and kind of amber, and you see oh, the yeah. guts inside, I guess. Ugh. I don't know. I haven't played Death Stranding, but I've seen that. It's um, real gross. But, um... Yeah, real gross. And he's, of course, big claws. Farrell starts awake, stabbing himself with his own claws, but Bet's there to comfort him. It was just a dream for the moment. Mm. In the Badlands outside of town, Bet shows Farrell how to use a weapon so he's not just bringing claws to a gunfight. <laughs> um, I, I like how she, like, once again, we go on this whole, like, here's what you can do to a bullet to make this not great for the other guy. Yeah, yeah. They talk about that. Um, the gun they're using is a 357 automatic, which led me down a rabbit a rabbit hole about uh, semi-exotic guns mm. because 357s are usually chambered in um, in revolvers and stuff. But anyway, they do um, 357 automatics do exist if you want to get some freaking magnum rounds and a pistol that Jeez. might explode a little bit, you know. Um, and Farrell's gun looks more like a like a camcorder with a bottom grip than an actual gun. So it's a little <laughs> bit too futuristic. Yeah, it looks like uh, like the laser pistol from uh, Fallout. Yeah. She gives him a holster for the gun and tells her story. She used to be a combat medic for the British Army. God, this gets gross also. Yeah. She's she wasn't she's not like on this planet to kill the British troops specifically. She's mostly there to kill their leader, Colonel Frank Doyle. Um, she talks about her life as a medic going with the troops to take out these mutants and then also grab some off world colonies in the process. A lot of conquests, but and Beth saw the worst of it. The dead, dying soldiers. Um, yeah, sorry, dead, dying and maimed soldiers. She's even even Jesus. Mercy killed one of them. Um, eventually, through this horror, though, she met Lieutenant Doyle, and they got along fine. They even got married, which seems to shock Clifford, who's listening in the background, which I about mean, which more later. 
<laughs> Next time on Strontium Dog, suffer the children. God, this thing got graphic. Like real graphic. And ABC Warriors comes later and this is like this is like yeah, the, super um, gross. The images um of, of Bet's time as a combat medic are pretty harsh, definitely. Just in, yeah, just in terms of these, like 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 there's at least one like kind like a dude who's lost all of his limbs and things like that, you know, bloody bandages. And I mean, and also kind of a stuff. dream that it was entirely steeped in blood and just yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. I like I don't know what to feel about this new Strontium dog. I feel like it's definitely trying to stand on its own two feet. At least it's got something I mean, to say. Yeah, and I I definitely like the I definitely like at the very least that they're trying to create feral. As this character who has some flaws mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they're, they're trying to build him as this kind of tragic figure, basically. Yeah. Which I think is better than just a personification of raw coolness the way yeah. that, um, his, that was happening in, in a, in the pre, in a, in a final solution. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the whole Johnny Alpha thing is still clearly haunting him. So. Definitely, yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I like this version of Pharaoh better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in the end, in the end, I think, and, um, well, like, I don't know, let's, let's see how the story plays out. That's what yeah, I want to say. You know, but, um, I, th- I think this is interesting. I think this is an interesting direction to take this franchise, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of new directions, Fox. Ooh. Speaking of new directions, Fox. Oh. <laughs> Let's get some neurolinguistic <laughs> programming, I assume, with non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. All right. Prog 752, Judgment on Dread. Ooh, it's oh, funny. I like his little, I like his scream face. So many teeth. Definitely. Yeah, Cliff Robinson doing his thing. Another fine, shouty Dread. Can this see the uvula. Appara- oh, gotta get in there. <laughs> this prog apparently came with a binder to hold the 2080 trading cards. <clears throat> They were given away last issue, and it's got space for the remaining 88 cards you can send away for. And th- but to get those, you've got to cut coupons out from pages oh. of the next couple a- a- issues. It's like a readership capture kind of thing, you know. Okay, box tops. Yeah, or the um, yeah, it's or those deals in video games where kind of you get increasingly larger rewards every day you sign in that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Which we're, of course, quite familiar with. Oh, very um, familiar. In the editorial page, Igroyd's back, though still recovering from the UK comic art convention. He doesn't do the 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 bzz, bzz, coming online thing. No. But he does have a have a slightly more like I don't know, like hey cats and kittens, like kind of <laughs> cool guy voice a little bit. Not okay. Carol Baskins, like kind of like a like like a smooth daddy-o kind of guy. All right. Um Mid-Prog does an ad for a bunch of Fleetway 2000 AD collections imported back from the U.S., it seems like. Okay. Um, so this includes several Dread volumes, collections of the VCs and Mach 1, as well as Damn. Cyber Crush, which collects um, Robusters and Robo and early Robo Hunter stories, but features sexy cyber babes on the cover. <laughs> Pretty solid. Good work. There's also an ad for a regional bus pass, I guess. I don't know. Hey, Mid-prog, why not? There's, yeah, Midprog, there's a mixed column by Rockzilla who talks a fair bit, uh, who talks a fair bit about the uh, Metallica Black album. Cool. Um, and an offer for a free Bomb the Bass album. I like to read that as Bomb the Bass because fuck those fish, buddy. Um, 
Later, gotta bump something. Gotta bump something. Later, there's the first <laughs> of these data chip tokens. Gotta collect all of them to get the trading cards. Mm. The input page has a fresh as a fresco image of old Stonewall face and uh. letters about that dragon lady story from about 100 progs or so. Mm-hmm. Ask what color Tharg blushes and why most characters in Dead Meat were left-handed. Which I didn't notice, but it's interesting to think about. Huh. Suggest a very old sci-fi movie, and then a final letter says Dry Run, Daudomoto, and Dead Meat have no thrill power. Kill Ooh. Judge Dredd. Wow. <laughs> the prog ends with the 2080 Future Shop selling that merch. Hey, look at these binders. You can put your things in them, like these That's comic right. books. Definitely. Prog 753, I like this cover by Anthony Williams of Sam Slade Zap and a ton of a cartoon mascot, but that'd be stepped on by a really big one. Yay. In the nerve center, Tharg is breathing a sigh of relief as a bunch of promotional work comes to an end. Um, including something called the longest comic strip in the world, which seems like it was some kind of um, okay. a charity thing. But I'm having trouble Googling that, Fox, because there's been – I believe this record has been topped several times in the last few years. So okay. those more recent attempts have trumped like early 90s attempts in terms of uh, SEO, I guess. Um Mid-prog, there's an ad for the next issue and part two of the data chip, data chip promotion. The input page is pictures of Judge Fudgy Bear, which is like the, uh, the, the, the candy bar, or Judge Fudgy Bar, I should say, and a pretty nice rogue trooper with letters complimenting Revere and insulting dead meat. They talk about uh, the comic Commando, which features a lot of former 2008 art droids, and apparently Brigand Doom appears in a song by the band The Water Boys, and there's cool. also kind words for killing time. Yeah. Yeah. Brock 754, John Burns draws the question of the moment. Judges in or out as we, the people, make the big decision. (laughs) Most of us are just going to abstain, I guess. Yeah. You know, why worry about it? In the Nerf Center, Thark promises to keep the fires of throw power burning as Igroid plugs the official release of Judgment on Gotham, about which more very soon, Fox. I'm excited. Yeah, the input page has pictures of Weedabix Barton and Judge Boeing, uh, who I I guess is a magic, is a reference to the show The Magic Roundabout. Uh, Letters continue to compliment Revere, are inspired by the Muzak killer, and ask how Tharg should be addressed. There's also hope that Prog 750 will be as good as Prog 650, and um, wonder about why they use the term dog and strontium dog. Yeah, probably as a, you know... Well, because they're called search, search, destroy agents, like Mm. SD agents, that's what the SD stands for. Right. And then Strontium 90 gave them their mutant powers, so they're and Strontium no one likes whatever. Them, so they call them dogs. Exactly. Proc 755, Steve Pugh does a very fangy pharaoh pulling a gun on the reader. God. But like I said before, it's so big and blocky. At first, I thought he was just pointing like, like a camera at us instead of, <laughs> instead of a gun. Lights camera blast off into this weird mouth, teeth mouth. Mm. He can't close his mouth. In this case, new dog, old tricks. 
Yeah. And the nerve center thug acknowledges that Igroid isn't buzzing and popping anymore and instead talks slightly like a gangster. I don't know. Anyway, it seems okay. 2000 AD has shown up in several UK newspapers recently about comic books, including a write-up of dead meat in Farmer's Weekly. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> just talking about like – I believe it was just sort of a mention of like um, the vegetarian lifestyle, I guess. Okay. So it's like like the, the vegetarian lifestyle has grown greatly in the public consciousness. Recently, <laughs> in the comic book 2000 AD. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk about like the the hilarious uh, horse murder ongoing in that comic, they I guess. Prob- they prob- probably wouldn't, but who's to say? <laughs> oh, um, oh, and then they could give you some like horse meat uh, recipes? recipes. Yeah. I mean, the main thing you do is just you put them in the Ikea meatball sauce, right? Oh, man, really? Well, do you remember there, there was that scandal a couple years ago? I did not of, know that. Um, of at least in some countries, Ikea meatballs being made out of horse meat, at least partially. Oh, that, I mean, North of Italy, there are places where it's Grancis. a delicacy. That's the name of meatball sauce. Um, <laughs> the next week preview also spoils the election results of the comic you're about to read, like right in the Nerf Center, which I thought was pretty <laughs> pr- pretty lame. Okay. Um, Mid-Prog, there's a Dread-related Game Gear ad, a time God. swoop. And we're going to see a ton of these, um, Fox. They ba- I, I, uh, Sega basically paid to get um, to have, have promotional tie-ins with Judge Dredd. So he's going to be traveling Ugh. through time, arresting people for playing Game Gears and Genesis's and so forth for the next Is he going to say the same shit, color LCD screen, compact, oh, yeah, he's gonna, simple he, controls? He, will, he or someone else will certainly list the tech specs every time they do. Definitely. Ugh. God. Okay. Um, the letters page has a um, has a silver weir uh, dreadhead. Um, Whatever. Judge yeah. Dolly at a neat ABC Warriors picture. Heavy metal. Yeah. Um, letters ask for a 2080 mug for time travel purposes, but a cap is all you'll get. They're out of mugs. Apparently, oh. 2080 readers also read Private Eye. I don't know. This might be a joke or something. There's compliments for slain and many newer tales and a request to not end every sentence with an exclamation mark. Something I myself struggle with when I'm writing <laughs> this stuff, Fox. Exclamation points are fun to use. I should mention that I ended that sentence talking about it with an exclamation mark because I yeah. don't care. I'd do intero bangs if I could, Fox. Um, I, should, I, I don't know how to type them. That's that's a that's a combo exclamation mark and question mark at the same time. Oh. Any, anyway, speaking of mysterious but exciting things, Fox, at least in theory. Oh my god! <laughs> that's right. It's something. Let's talk about Thrill Four Universal Soldier. Oh God! Remember when uh, when that guy came into your village and then pretended that he was a bard and told a story? Yeah, what's going on? Like you told me there was a tradition of storytelling. I didn't tell you that, buddy. I don't yeah. care. I don't want to hear your tale. Jesus. <laughs> robot Alan McKenzie, Art Robots, Brett Ewins, and Zach Sandler, Letting Robot Steve Potter. Max Brewster is in the jungles of Surrey looking for an indestructible man. He starts to tell a story to some villagers, and yeah, it's the story of Tim Kelly. And I should say, Fox, that this dude is actually a legacy British comic um, from a legacy British comic called Kelly's Eye. Okay. It ran in Knockout, Valiant, and Vulcan from 1962 to 1976 or so. 
And like it sort of says here, he was a guy who had a magic gem. He was on a <laughs> necklace at the time that made him invulnerable. Okay. It, inclu- it allowed him to survive a nuke. He could breathe underwater with it, etc. Cool. So he didn't melt. Of course he didn't melt, buddy. Nor did he travel to an alternate reality, or sorry, to the far future where uh, where all, everyone's furry dreams had come to life. Sadly, I know, no. hot cat girls. Oh wait, that's true. Yeah, except for except for people into cat girls, because instead, because like Liana's not what guys that are into cat girls are into. I think she's more of a regular lady. <laughs> I think she had a head of tails, I recall. But anyway, ears on the side of her head like a freak. (laughs) (laughs) You're a freak. (laughs) Kelly was asked to fight in a war, but didn't because he was a man of peace. So instead, he disappeared like on a steamship, though he might come back someday once in future indestructible man. Um, The story told Brewster, um, realizing that his storytelling isn't going to win him any information, instead uses weird knowledge to heal a sick child and barters that information about killing. Basically, seriously, they say that he that Kelly passed through a while ago. Brewster heads out after him, and a flashback we see Brewster watching archival footage of Kelly, just on a bunch of video monitors for a couple hours. Yeah, and it seems. That no matter what these uh, executive guys say, um, Brewster will lead them to Kelly. He can't help himself but doing so. <sighs> Great. Soon, a bunch of dope-ass hover bikes descend on the town Brewster oh, was man, just I in. Oh, man, I love them because they got that whole, like, looks like bumper cars mated with a motorcycle. So they got these, like, chompy yeah. teeth on the front. And a bunch of Definitely. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> they have their own photos because they're looking for Brewster. A goblin-y team member, though, is able to, dra- to track the Universal Soldier and the bikes take off again. If we don't find Brewster, we're going to come back and torch this town. I feel like they're just going to do that anyway. Also, very awesome. psychedelic colors, man. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was looking for a point to say this, but man, um, I, don't, I, I feel like it's Sandler who is coloring these comics and is really going crazy with yeah. it. Um, like this whole – like it really – the whole comic looks like it is almost like you're, you're seeing it through an oil slick or something like that. Yeah. Like where you've got kind of these like rain – like like rainbow colors sort of streaked across the whole thing. It's a really neat effect. It's, it, 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 it's really interesting. Strong sure. agree. So the Universal Soldier has arrived in Hart in Hertford, which is now a desert complete with saguaro cacti and stuff. He extracts water from one, seemingly just for grins, then starts scanning the area for corporate trackers. Back in the ca- in the past, he's he's calling the Universal Soldier or the Universal Corporation, I should say, saying that he'll mm. take the job, but don't bother having him tracked. It's not needed after the uh, and the, after all the suits know where Max is going. But back in the present. Unisol is hiding among some rocks to take these guys out. Five hover bikes of rangers coming after him. They say that they call it, it they call it a sat trap of rangers a couple times, which I'm not yeah. that familiar with that reference. I usually think of a sat trap as a uh, it's like a, a a nobleman in kind of Middle Eastern uh, places. Mm. Uh, but anyway, he goes into a firing stance and shifts form yeah. into a frontier dude in a raccoon yeah. hat, just sniping murdering. some. Uh, yeah, sniping some incoming engine raiders because this Ugh. is pretty stereotypical, buddy. Like you know, he takes the one in the backs. He takes the ones in the back out first, landing precise shots that each take out a baddie. They're defeated, but Max only fired four shots. So who mm. shot the last guy? 
Now time to get real hippy dippy and go. I yes. oh, God, this this whole thing. <laughs> the uh, so some other sniper must have helped Max. He manages to spot the flash of a scope on the horizon, but it's too far away to make there in a day. Instead, he makes camp, builds a fire, and unisols his body or unisols into the body of a of Geronimo. I guess. I, yeah, that's a, a weird one. And then, Presum- oh, and and then he uses, then he uses his uh, eyes of the hawk, uh, yeah. like Brave Star, and then owls himself into the sky. <laughs> I mean, I I believe um, actual historical Geronimo was a shaman um, for his, you know, with within his own culture and stuff. But in this case, he's apparently just a full on sorcerer who <sighs> can commune with animal spirits. And turn a cam <sighs> and turn an owl into a camera drone, essentially. Because <laughs> why if, not? If this was three years ago, I'd say that he wargs into the owl fox. But we aren't making oh, Game of Thrones reference anymore. Man. Get out of here. <laughs> That's um, real good. But yeah, so soon he's in the mountains, uh, or sorry, so he sort of goes and observes Kelly making camp in the desert through the eyes of the animal. The next morning, he breaks camp remembering the hippie not actual words of Geronimo as he does. Yeah, just apologize to the earth by brooming her down. It's in quotes as he says this, but I looked this quote up and I didn't find it. I mean, I didn't find it anywhere attributed to Geronimo or otherwise. I, the other part of it is, is just like, yeah, you should probably just like, you know, if you don't want to get tracked, hide the fact that you made a camp. It's true. Soon he's combing the mountains and eventually meets up with Kelly. Dr. Livingstone, I presume? Mm. Uh, uh, uh. The Unisol says he was hired to kill Kelly, but he won't. Instead, he thinks they can work together to take down the Universal Corporation. But Kelly's like, well, why don't I just kill you anyway right now? I mean, that seems easiest for me. (laughs) I can't argue with this man's logic, which is like, everyone keeps trying to kill me. Just, you know, I'm just going to shoot you. And then... uh, (laughs) Just what happens next? Like I've been running. Running's been working okay for me. I don't see a been reason. Running, running, and running, to stop. running, and that's right. Hanging out with those black eyed peas. <laughs> All right. So time for these jerks to have your standard uh, comic book pre team up fight, Fox. Oh God. All right. If Thor and the Hulk are going to be teaming up to fight a larger baddie, we got to spend the first pa- the first couple pages of the comics with them fighting because that's sort of how it goes. And Thor has a mind hallucinogen that turns the other guy into a bug so he can fight him like a bug man fighting sure. an astronaut, yeah. I guess. Back in uh, back on Stranger by the Dozen, I, I we used to call this a, a misunderstanding fight, but <laughs> they, they under they understand what's going on here, so it's not that it's just a pre um, pre team up fight. Yeah, the Unisol shifts, of course. This time, I guess the future maybe um, Who and knows? becomes a lone spaceman fighting hand to hand with an eight limb space mantis. Ugh, God, they scuffle around as future Brewster. Trades witty banter with space control over the space radio. I mean, again, I feel like this is just a man with a very active imagination, you know? Oh, he's Walter Middying it? Is what you're you're saying? It's like, what's up? Bow! Oh, wham! You know? Yep. Um, Going way too into it. Luckily, he finds a space stick and smashes the space bug in the space gut with it. And then returns to the present where he's beating up Kelly. He still has the space stick in the present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was a real stick. That's just part of his um, 
of, of his future memory. Oh, God. <laughs> um, he explains that he just wants the gemstone, and Kelly laughs and open up, opens up his shirt because the stone has fused to his chest. It's part of him now. Oh, my God. I, you know, Full of all these gross veins and scar tissue and stuff around it. Well, the thing about this is, is that he's got this little uh, disc that's on his back. And then when you kind of flick it up and down, the there's a light that'll kind of flick flicker inside of the gem. It's real oh, cool. Oh, see, I assumed there was a hologram inside the gem. So you kind of, kind of have to turn him around a little bit to see the oh, hologram. Like, yeah, it's, which would also denote like his, his partial. Sp- yeah, exactly. Like partial special powers. I, yeah. This is or, also. Or you had to press your finger against the gem. And then when you pulled it away, your body heat <laughs> would reveal which of the three elements he was aligned with, Fox. This is also, I mean, directly compared to, like, the, the song that I keep using for ABC Warriors is from the, the hit television cartoon show, Skeleton Warriors, where each one came embedded with a skull in its chest. Nice. Yes, yeah, see, I was, I was going for both visionaries and or battle beasts there, Fox. Oh, fuck, of... I don't know battle beasts. Visionaries, <sighs> I know. Visionaries. Battle beasts were dope as shit. Battle beasts collect every one of them. Incredible creatures <laughs> who battle for the fun of it. Wow, awesome! I'm li- I they like were... that they built into the song that you should you need to get all of them. Well, because they weren't like full action <laughs> figures; they were just sort of plastic figurines, and their arms could move up and down. Okay. Um, and they were sort of all animal dudes, like cyber, cyber, cyber animal, cybernetic bipedal animal guys. Oh man, that sounds awesome! And they all had holograms in them, like just a little square thing, not a hologram. Sorry, they, they just had these like stickers on them. And oh, I remember they were, these they were guys. Black and you had like the sticker was black, and you had to like put your finger on the stick in your body heat would reveal whether the one you had was aligned with i think it was fire water mm. or wood i feel like and that I would had, sort of be their teams i feel like i had like the rhino one of these i remember having something like this i think if you were a kid in the air you probably had one or two battle bees like they came like packs of two as i recall mm. oh, i love yeah those guys. My, man my favorite 80s toy um anyway next time on universal soldier the universal crystal <laughs> all right Really like that word. That's what they keep coming back to, you know? It all comes back to the universal university. Yeah. And uh, that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie and that song by Donovan. All <laughs> these universal soldier things. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's real weird. It's a weird... Yeah, the decision to bring mm. a classics comic guy into here is a, little, yeah. is, is, is a, is a weird choice for sure. Yeah, that, that, that was interesting getting to know that. I wish that like, was. This, I mean, I just didn't. I had no fucking clue. No, I mean, how how would you if you weren't in on it? This <clears> honestly <throat> feels like Alan McKenzie trying to do a, a Grant Morrison impression. To be honest, yeah. I mean, it, again, there's there's. I dock at points, but a man rips open his shirt to reveal a, a gross ass jewel embedded into his chest. So. <laughs> I'll also you say know. Kelly's eye will also be returning, <clears throat> not just in the pages of 2000 AD. But in the uh, 1991 2080 action special, oh, which what? we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks, but we haven't really seen advertisements for yet, to be honest. Okay, it was Neat. this. Um, it was a comic. I, I think it's out this year instead of the. Um, oh, wait, maybe that's net. Yeah, sorry. Next year is the action spe- special. Excuse me, but that'll Ooh. have 
Kelly's Eye in it as well, sort of a reboot of the classic one. But anyway, Fox, speaking of universal soldiers, but in terms of like soldiers in space. Man, God, there's so many Warhammer vibes coming out of this. And alien um, planets and things like that. Mm -hmm. Let's continue on to Thrill 5. ABC Warriors. ABC Warriors. Fuck yeah, dude. Script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art robot Kev Walker. Letting robot Steve Potter. Oh, God. It's so. I. It's. What really gave it away for me with this Bill and Ben giant robot thing is just a giant battle standard that's just like, oh, that's a. That's a Warhammer. I am oh, the yeah. Warhammer guy that's walking up doing a Warhammer. Mm. So to bring the rest of the ABC Warriors into the clutches of chaos, Deadlock has set up a quest. Seven heads for Hecate. All right. That seems uh, that seems doable. Any heads will do or no, uh, specific no, 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 heads? No, no, no. Very specific heads. The first one is the chief tax collector of the Imperial Revenue Guild with his goggles, hood, hooded coat, and pair of 10-foot robots behind him. Actually, Fox, I disagree a little bit because this guy specifically gives me very War Machine feels okay. instead of 40K feels. But we'll continue on. Like, definitely some kind of miniature war game involving things. So, so like, seven heads, right? This Hakate yeah. guy wants them, right? And Hakate is chaos? I think Hakate... I believe Hakate is a... Yeah, Hecate. I don't know. I think it's Hakate, but she... Hecate herself, at least in like our world, is the uh, Greek goddess of like magic and like um, ghost shit, I guess. <laughs> of of spooky specters and boo ghosts. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, I guess I guess my my kind of thing here is is that if if you're trying to draw people into chaos and part of that is doing a specific set of things, it doesn't feel particularly chaotic. That feels very, um, you know, like 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 the idea of a quest isn't specifically chaotic in in and of itself. I mean, we I just saw him doing a sword battle of insanity with old Nemesis, all of which was just about them being real dumb and chaotic. Uh, yeah, but I think this has I structure think, to it. Here's here's what I'm gonna guess, Fox. Although I think this might actually be addressed as we continue on. But as we start, <clears throat> my guess is that. What once you get to the upper level of of of, of chaos with a K, yep. that's when you can start the real like absurdity, doofy shit, and like laughing at the concept of doing anything and whatever. All right, um, I mean that's fine. There should be stages. You got to do some yeah. magic to and get the, things going. The, yeah, and in the early stages when you're trying to get people into chaos, that's when things are much more. <laughs> <laughs> a little like like structured, but they're structured in a way to cause chaos around you, even if what you're doing yourself is a bit more prescribed. You know, this really sounds like getting people into a very particular kink that that Deadlock is into. Now, hundred <laughs> percent, either that or he's trying. I mean, li- I mean, I was gonna say it's like he is, but he is literally trying to get them to join his cult, basically. <laughs> So he's just trying to be he's he's trying not to like break out the Thetan levels yet. 
You know? Yeah, no. Well, well, this is just like some early e-reader um, sessions that help you with, uh, with with a with a with a with a with a, with a crisis you're going through. Yeah, and only only later does it become ten thousand year contracts and B fifty two bombers destroying and- ancient <laughs> intelligences. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 open the book until you're ready, kind of thing. Yeah, you gotta, you know, you gotta walk before you can run, and sometimes walking means killing seven dudes in ritualistic ways. Um, <laughs> so, um, at back at the ABC base, the leader of the of the Freud of the Freuds, I want to say, the Hobbit guys that fight when they're asleep, mm. apologizes for the damage as the two aliens that eat with their butts and puke on each other say goodnight oh. by puking on each other. Yeah, um, it's real gross. <laughs> Still. Yep, incredibly gross. All's well until the tax man cometh. Yeah. Um, they're taxing the air they breathe as you do, and it must be paid. <laughs> or else we are going to uh, excise that air from your lungs. Yes. And while the tax man uh, threatens the innkeepers, a new voice appears. It's the ABC Warriors, and man, they're looking cool. Oh, God. And they are just ready to shoot you. <laughs> Yes, they are here to mediate this tax disputes by way of ridiculous looking giant guns. Oh, they're really good. And it feels like overkill. Like I wanted there to be like a shot where they cut away and just show the end is just destroyed. <laughs> the tax robots fight back, but they're no match for our heroes. And soon the tax man is brought to deadlock and bled to death in a pretty sweet pool. Yeah. His heart stops just as the pool fills up. The first head has been claimed. I, I like that they give you a little bit of, uh, like, a, a how-to guide, you know, note well, to my yeah. neophytes of nihilism. I should mention that pretty much all of this is being narrated very – with a lot of, like, flourish mm-hmm. and overwriting and stuff by Deadlock himself, who seems to be using this trip as also – like the practical of a lecture he's giving sure. about um, the nature of chaos to university students at some sort of chaos university. Yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, it's, I, it's already part of his memoirs. He might as well make it part of the curriculum. Yeah, definitely. Um, the second head's underway now is a woman named Selene, the name of the ancient Greek moon goddess, just oh, FYI. Yeah, yeah um, there's some there's some undercurrents going on here. Mmm. <laughs> She lies in her bed, telling her mother of her dream. She was called by the by the Maris, knew them as sisters, and was taken on the wild hunt through the great forest. The Maris are clearly like alien nightmare horses. Or, I just want to be clear on what's going on here. I mean, kind of. There's a lot of moon language here, and like I don't know, feels like oh they're- yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. They they present as crazy as uh, alien nightmare horses, but they are also symbols of repressed feminine sexuality, etc. Oh yeah, uh, can't stress that enough as well. Celine said she liked doing this, as her mother says it was all just a dream. But then pulls some grass from her hair and goes running out to her husband to tell him about it. And despite <laughs> their attempts to keep them out. Since Celine is their seventh daughter, the Maris only have to call and she'll come. Oh, man. Take my meaning. I mean, hey, hey, and call and she'll come, eh? Um, (laughs) I'm sweaty in that bed. I, yeah, I mean, oh, oh, okay, things are clicking now. Eh, eh? (laughs) Wink and a nod, he said knowingly. (laughs) I mean, I also like grass in someone's hair. 
they're they're rural people. Yeah, but that was like outside grass, not um, <laughs> not inside bed grass. Yeah, something. Okay. Um, also arriving are the ships bearing the stately reverence uh, Septimus. Oh man. Okay. So so many things that I need to talk about here. Number one outfit. It. Ten out of ten. Love it. He's yeah. got the gold cane. He's got the cute red hat, matching red like whole tabard yeah, thing got, going on. He's, he's, he's got a red leather cassock and a uh, and a red Rapallo Romano. Just to mm. use um, like he's basically a, a very red looking Catholic priest here. And he's um, completely blue skinned, and he's overdone it with blush. And like overdone it, and he's got a little heart cutie mark underneath his eye, and a little spade cutie mark underneath his mouth on his chin, and then also he's got lipstick. I love this man. Yeah, he's also I would say a lot of these um, symbols that he's got on him were later borrowed by uh, the Eldar in Warhammer 40k, but oh, have been used by the by the ter- I mean maybe not exactly, but I and they might be um, also like Kabbalah symbols for all I know, but um, <laughs> like these symbols with like this big Y and stuff like that. These are sort of this the style that the Eldar use as well, and the Eldar are actually very. I find them to have a lot of in like they that's a that Warhammer faction is, he, seems heavily influenced to me by um the terminators of uh, Nemesis the Warlock generally um but I don't want to get too far into it um I should also mention that um the, this guy um the uh, uh Reverend Septimus also has a very um requiem feel to it the uh the vampire comic that uh, Pat Mills also does oh, in, uh, in France yeah yeah which I also has a lot telling of, me about that yeah, which also just has a lot of very pale people with symbols pa- on their faces. Um, and I mean, like Requiem also has a lot of, uh, deep seated, like, uh, like, hey, I don't like these Catholics kind of <laughs> uh, feels to them, just based on who's the bad guys and what they look like and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, of course. Um, the priest visits Celine, who's sweating and throwing jives and insults, very exorcist here mm. in bed. Septimus pulls away her sheet and reveals that her foot is turning into a hoof, even as we speak. As uh, we speak, okay. there's some talk of this costing Celine's father time in heaven to pay for these for this sin, which is again just sort of a Catholic, um, what do you call them, indulgences thing, you know? Yeah, like the idea of like of like of like selling indulgences to reduce time in purgatory, etc. And um, the, and in the end, the father relents to sort of lets them do what they want to. Celine is staked out in a field. A door oh, is placed over her body, and then stones are placed on top of that. Old Just fashioned pressing. There, this is real um, gross. Yeah, this is literally what they did in the Salem witch trials to uh, Giles Corey. Giles Cor- uh, Corey. Um, although I'll mention that that set of witch murders was not Catholic. Like, those are Massachusetts dudes. That's Protestant as anything. Yeah. But whatever. And also, um, like, they didn't then erupt in a giant horse testicle thing where they then tried to execute it with dual pistols. Hold on, buddy. Get ahead of me here. <laughs> Selene is crushed, and Septimus leads a prayer with the faithful. 
Um, he also says that for watching this, you'll get 50 years in heaven. I just want to mention again that this is happening. Oh, my um, God. But then a sinister neigh rings out. And Celine bursts forth from beneath the weight, a terrifying demon horse ripping away from her human body. Ugh. The nightmare lives, but it's in its larval stage. Gross. Septimus pulls a holy handgun from his cassock <laughs> and opens fire on the gyno monster, he calls it, killing it. Which oh, is, God. Again. Yeah. Just the text. He stands over a pyre <laughs> of her body, a job well done. In the name of the blessed emperor Zalin, when a figure appears behind him, it's by God General Blackblood, who mentions that he and his buddies have stolen Zalin's tomb ship, so maybe they can make a deal. Yeah, hey, I'm a very evil guy. Why don't you trust me? <laughs> exactly. Septimus and some goons arrive at the tomb ship. Blackblood explaining that he's programmed to betray his friends, so he's pretty okay. stoked to help the Reverend out. As they enter, though, Septimus takes the lead because, like, the layout of this ship was part of his religious training. Moves his goons to the ancient black uh, through the ancient passageways as black blood melts into the shadows. Oh. <laughs> also in the shadows is Joe Pineapples and Hammerstein, yeah. Hammerstein knifing and hammering goons silently. Uh, it's real cool. It's just there's Joe Pineapples. There's Joe Pineapples knife. There's Joe Pineapples introducing a monk to his knife. There's Joe Pineapples introducing it to his back and blood. <laughs> disappearing into the shadows oh. also oh sorry um septimus notices his guys missing but the booming voice of zalin himself says he judged them unworthy hurry mm. he wished to be present at my second coming Ooh, the priests run yeah as they go another one gets grabbed by mongrel the priests are starting to doubt the holiness of this situation <laughs> as they do seem to all be getting killed as mechquake and morgan also appear to kill more minions oh Only yeah septimus himself survives to the central chapel where zalin sleeps in a sarcophagus beneath a termite stained glass window yeah, just having a little nap definitely the voice demands he say increasingly embarrassing things of his unworthiness. <laughs> I'm not worthy to suck the toe jam from your trainers, etc. Real gross. When the crypt opens, it's deadlock. Hey, how's it going? I totally fucking moved your mummy to the ice machine. <laughs> Yeah, they toss the body of Zalin into the fridge nearby. This whole thing was a ruse just to get um, Septimus in here. He tries to attack Deadlock, but the robot knight just backflips over him, stabs him in the heart from behind. The second head for Hirkate. I mean, you know, he's got flourish. I'll say that. He's got an air for the dramatic. I'm into busting out of some dude's holy tomb in order yeah. to knife a dude in the back. It's a good look for sure. Okay. In the forest of Menark, source of blood sap, okay. the forest itself is being vegicided by the apparently inaptly named Lunatech Industries. As huge industrial machines tear down the forest, as mossy forest people ask them to stop in a weird forest language and get zapped for their trouble. I should say oh. – um, Deadlock makes a big deal about Lunatech being ill, being um, inappropriately named, probably because like he considers the moon and also insanity to be parts of chaos, etc. Dang old capitalism taking our insanity. Cultural appropriation, buddy. Yeah, um, I know. The local corporate vice president would be a good third head and a chance for Morgan to show her stuff as the newest member. Hell yeah. 
Yeah. So we see her jumping through the trees, investigating the blood of the dead forest dude. She's an expert in the martial art necrochi, and we see her using the Pentang, a throwing star type dealie, which is powered by chaos. Yeah. She's got all the electrical chaos shooting out of it. Yeah. It's a star. Yeah, five points. Um, She uses it to destroy the giant tree-cutting robots, then makes her way into the Lunatech facility. Taking dudes out with moon flails and deadly claws and Deadlock's narrating, I should I should mention, again, just to his university fellows, including one part where he accuses a disciple of crimes and because of that promotes them. <laughs> Morgan then vamps her way into the VP's office, yeah, posing no all sexy, doubt. putting on fresh lipstick. She's going real hard at him and eventually kisses the ponytail VP. Oh, my God. It started with a kiss. (laughs) Never thought it would come to this. Yeah, never thought it would end like this. Oh, yeah. Plants and shit. It's funny because the VP says, like, ah, you you, you kiss moderately for a sex spot. Um, (laughs) But it seems that while she isn't a great kisser, that poisonous lipstick she put on sure does pack a punch. As the VP swiftly sprouts roots and dies, turning into a terrifying plant corpse, a true green man. Uh, okay. Is that like a, it's like a green man a thing? Yeah, yeah, it's like a, uh, it's, it's like a, it, it, it's like a pagan thing. Okay. Um, like I think, like I, I, I believe like you kind of, if you're doing harvest shit, then you might have like like a green man in the spring, and then you burn a wicker man in the fall. I want to uh, say. Okay, there you go. I could I could see that. It's a big thing in like, <gasps> uh, and that's why English. you have snowmen. Mm. But I think it's just a big like. If you're in England, I think actually like where you are, you might actually just see a lot of um like green man stuff might be around. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm just waiting for them to put uh, like a basket on someone's head and fill it with bees. Yeah, again, that's that's for the harvest, not for the planting. You know I know, I just missed it. You know, coming in in December. Big among, but anyway, big among pagans. Like I, you know, I'm sure <laughs> if you could, if you talk to an actual pagan, they would tell you a lot more about Green Man than me, who mostly, again, like early in this episode, refers to sort of a semi-obscure XTC song. Anyway, the third head of for Hecate has been claimed. Noise. This one's a little leafy. But you yeah, know. kind of a kind of a kind of a chia head fox. Yeah, well, you need your greens. You know, all this I can meat, tell you, meat-based head diet. You're gonna. Did want I show something. you my uh, my uh, Bob Ross chia pet that I got for Christmas, Fox? No, that sounds amazing, and you must do it. I did a really bad job of spreading the seeds over the sculpture <laughs> of the chia pet. Okay, and so. Like this guy now, there's like there was like sprouts grown out of like his eyes and his face oh, and stuff no, like that. No. Like it was it was way more eldritch horror than I really expected, Fox. Like especially mean, especially because like the chia pets, the the, the 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 chia plants or whatever, they um they turn to face the sun, you know, mm-hmm. and so. But like it, they get like f- like an inch long or something. So it just looks like this. Like <laughs> it was just real, real, real scary. <laughs> to be honest, Fox, I no had one's going to tell us about was, that secret little bush now. Are it, they? Was, it was making me very uncomfortable to have this gross ass <laughs> chia pet. Like I learned a lot of lessons about chia pets. Oh um, my coming god, coming out of Christmas, Fox, and many of them I did not like. Oh god. <laughs> But speaking of things we might have liked, Fox. 
<laughs> I got one question for you. Oh. Which is what were your top and bottom thrills for these progs? Cheesy Pete's man. I mean, it's a real toss-up for top for me because Dread, really, really, really good. I think that it's still kind of, weirdly enough, uh, I guess it's still, it, it hasn't hit its plateau yet or like it's, it's um, second. I mean, I guess we're in the second act now, but things are, you know, still heating up strangely enough <laughs> like it was really building up this vote and now there's uh you know now there's more to it which i'm excited for um but man oh man these abc warriors bud i it's just <laughs> i it's i i have this kind this this somewhat disdain it's like the only nit i'll pick which is just like chaos can only really entertain me so far as a concept if that makes sense mm. um, but it sure is being used as a great vehicle for them to do crimes <laughs> and uh, these crimes are real awesome and involve big guns Emma Boy Joe Pineapples um, I would have liked to have seen Rojas a little more he only shows up twice um, that said uh, I'll give it to ABC Warriors for my top I, this, nice. the art's fantastic it's hilarious um, you know it's also gross. <laughs> what what with a gyno beast or whatever the fuck. Um, Definitely. And Cheesy Pete's for bottom. I mean, Universal Soldier was almost there if it weren't for Bisley Land. Like, Robo Hunter just felt like like it was fine. I, the, the, my top moment here is just Elvis Presley getting his head cut off and then, you know... Uh, Mr. Bisley just having his head <laughs> on his robot body, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then special mention to the whole fleshlight. That fleshlight joke was good, but I'm I'm gonna put Robo Hunter on the bottom. This is meh. I'm I'm That's fair. I'm strangely hopeful for a Strontium Dog. That's got my interest. Nice. Um, how about you, man? What were your top bottoms? Oh man. Um, I think I I think for my bottom, I'll say uh, Universal Soldier. Yeah. Um didn't really like it that much. Um like just, where, are, where like are we I, going with this? Question I feel part. like I, I, I feel like with like there's stuff going on, but like I don't know. I'm not charmed by this no. Kelly character or by the intrigue around this stuff. Like there's just all this stuff that is supposed to be good that is simply not really doing it for me you know <laughs> and it's just a more gems it's just always these gems I'm yeah fuck. definitely agree that like the fact that we're gonna do this stuff and it's once more for these like yeah let's just get some more l let's talk about these crystals some more i just don't i don't <laughs> like crystals buddy yeah man if i liked crystals i'd be a kabbalah boy I'm not Kabbalah like, boy. When when you tell me like we're gonna do this thing and there's crystals involved, I feel like there are people <laughs> where that makes them excited, but it is not for me. I mean, you like, know, even crack open even a like, geode and there's some crystals inside. I'm like, ooh, and then I move on with my life. I'm you like know? tired of crystals in like Final Fantasy games, oh, buddy. And that's what they're about, you know. Um, for my top, ooh, I know. I like this election stuff. I think that's pretty cool, especially the uh, the the showdown with the judges and stuff, and then the election as well. Um, I feel like just from events the last couple years, this um, idea of thinking you're going to win 
and then losing and stuff like that had like I don't know. It's kind of it's something I can empath. I I I remember very vividly, and so it really yeah. um, it's something I can really associate with, which I think is a good is a good mark of these stories when they feel relevant, even thirty some you know twenty nine years later. Yeah, or whatever. exactly. Like there's stakes, man. Stakes. Yeah. Um, that said, though, I might, I'm think I'm going to give my top two ABC Warriors. Yeah. Um, I think you're right because I think um, I, I I've said this before. I, I I think, but I really I I I'm pretty sure that like like I know Pat Mills really likes Deadlock. I don't like Deadlock as much as Pat Mills does. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Um, but I do. You know, I like this story. I like just the idea of just. You know, going to these different situations where there's some kind of like evil imperial guy and then just having robots destroy them. Like that feels like I'm fine with that. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. I'm on board. And I feel like this does do a decent job of um, of also doing stuff I like, like the mixing of um, of action and humor mm-hmm. and things. And, and horror. Again, <laughs> yeah, and 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 visceral horror as well, and I really like Kev Ke- uh, Kevin Walker's art for that stuff, and just generally with these robots and all that stuff. So yeah, I'd say ABC Warriors. I'm really digging it. Always love when the ABC Warriors come to town. Hell yeah, man! You know that you're gonna get some explosions and some robots down. Yeah, at least you better. You know. So anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. For everything else, go to spacespinner2000. We should be there. The show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zane Kipmiller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with the two of us. Yeah. Come back next week. As we finish up this dread election, go to war with Farrell, take a few more Hikate heads, Ooh. finally escape from Bisley Land, get real weird with Universal Soldier, and <laughs> oh, at last return to Judge Anderson to deal with <gasps> these engrams. Oh my god, it's been so long. Yeah, but before that, Fox, before next oh. week on Friday, instead, come uh, 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 check us out. As Fox and I cross realities and get stuck in with a certain caped crusader as Judgment on Gotham at last arrives. Ooh, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited, Conrad. I'm excited. Batman Judge Judge Dread crossover, buddy. This is not going to end well for both of them, I feel like. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I hope yeah. you will, too. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox and we are Space Spinner 2000. Plus the